Well, I hope that you will join us uh, for Fall Fest. Uh, you know, what, what could be wrong with a, an event with free-flowing candy? You know what I'm saying? And of course, our exotic petting zoo is back because I just love all of these cool animals. So I hope you'll join us. It's worth to come and see the animals. I'm just saying, uh, where else are you going to see a camel or an alligator? Or I mean, it's, it's awesome. Today I want to ask you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 21 to 28. And this, the series is entitled, Who is This Man? So Mark is telling the story of Jesus. And, and we want to know the, the answer to that. So his name is Jesus, he's from Nazareth, but who is this man? What does he stand for? What can he do? Why did he come? Um, and he, he answers part of that here in verses 21 to 28, when he casts out a demon from a man in church. Wow. Now, I remember when my brother and I were young teenagers, we made a trip from the Philippines because we lived in the Philippines. We were missionary kids back to the States, and we found this most awesome sort of like rubber, latex, witchy mask. You know what I'm saying? It was back in the day when they were just first coming out. And this was this real scary, witchy woman with wrinkled face and, and a snarl on her face and long, stringy, gross gray hair. And when you put it on, your eyes poke through the holes for the eyes and your eyelids actually flutter. And it was like so realistic, it was awesome. Well, we got this mask, took it back to the Philippines, and we didn't, there were no masks like that in the Philippines, so we felt pretty cool. We have one of the scariest masks around. One day, my brother and I decided we were going to go try this mask out. Now, I would tell you that in the Philippines, there's a larger, probably, percent of people that live with an awareness of uh, demonic presence, honestly. And there's all kinds of discussions about, you know, be careful, you don't want to disturb the demons in the anthill, and, and I don't need to go on and on. However, so we, we knew that people were aware of this more than they would be in America. My brother and I, we had this great plan hatched. We took the witchy mask, and um, we were going to go down to the main street, which was a block or two away from our house. And on this main street, people were going by by the thousands, and there was this drugstore that had a photo booth. You know what I'm talking about, a photo booth? Surely you do. Now, in the Philippines at that time, the photo booth was always manned with an attendant. So typically, this girl would stand outside of the photo booth. You would go up to her, and you would pay money first, always payment first, and, and then you step in, she would give you instructions, pull the curtain to, you get your picture taken, and then she pulls, opens the curtain, you step out, and then they come out of the machine and she cuts them for you and puts them in an envelope. Kind of like Walgreens if you're going for a passport photo. Okay. So my brother and I had it all planned. I was going to distract the attendant. He had the witchy mask stuck up underneath his t-shirt. So I was paying the, the bill. He sneaks into the booth, closes the curtain, puts on the mask, flash, 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 flash. And I delayed her so she wouldn't open the curtain. He takes off the mask, puts it back under his shirt, and steps out. And this poor lady has been doing this all day long. Finally, the machine spits out these four little photos 
and she grabs them. She's not looking at the picture. She doesn't care what we look like. She starts wiping them off and grabs her scissors, and she goes to cut the first one, and she sees the witchy mask. This lady starts trembling, and she backs up and throws the pictures and runs down the street, abandoning her post and leaving everything unattended. Now, my brother and I, at first, were thinking, man, this was the most awesome prank we've ever done. And then we looked around and thought, wait a second, this was so successful, we may actually get in trouble because we don't want to create a riot or something. And so what did we do? We ran down the other side of the street to get out of the way. Now, I tell you that story because... You know, we're headed into a season where people love to dress up with scary masks and all kinds of things because we really sometimes don't think there is such a thing as a spirit world and actual demons. But if you read the New Testament, and especially Mark chapter 1 here, and you read throughout the New Testament, you're going to discover that the presence of demons is constantly being referenced. So here is the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is there is actually an invisible, unseen war that's going on between God and Satan and all of his demons. And they are impacting our lives every time they get a chance. Do you ever feel like you're walking outside and the wind is blowing against you and it's harder to walk. I did that yesterday. There's this invisible force that's pushing up against you. Do you ever feel that way? Well, actually, there is. And Jesus, the story of Mark is he begins by telling what happens in the synagogue in Capernaum. This is not the first miracle of Jesus. First miracle was when he turned the water to wine. Uh, Mark is picking out stories and experiences that he has seen, experienced, or perhaps that Peter, who was the person he was referencing, ha- had experienced himself. And, and he says, I, I want you to know, by, by mentioning this story, I think he's trying to say this. You have no idea the cosmic battle that is going on in the person of Jesus. A battle for the souls of men and women. A deliverance from the evil that has plagued this world since after the fall. It's a real deal. So let's read the passage, Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 28. Then they came into Capernaum, And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. Now, I just want to say, I had the privilege of going with our group to Israel, and we went to Capernaum. It is this nice little village. It's it's on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. And we we actually walked into the ruins of a synagogue in Capernaum. Don't know if this is the spot, but this is one of the synagogues in Capernaum. And and as I read this, I'm, I'm thinking about that beautiful place. They went into the synagogue at at Capernaum, and Jesus entered the synagogue, and he taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. First thing to notice here is that Jesus, when he taught, was, he, he astounded people with his teaching. 
What does that say? Jesus was one of the most effective communicators ever. I mean, he was God. It would stand to reason that he would be pretty astounding, right? And not only the, the way he communicated, but when he communicated, he spoke with authority and not like the scribes who perhaps were just going through the routine liturgy of the day. Jesus taught the truths of scripture like he knew what was going on. He taught it with conviction. He taught it with sensitivity. He taught it with power and authority. And the people sat there and they listened to Jesus and nobody taught like this. And so that's what they said. He spoke as one with authority. And in the middle of it, verse 23, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit And he cried out saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now it's really interesting that while all of the people in the room were trying to figure out who is this man? Who is Jesus? Even his own disciples are trying to figure out who is this man? The demons knew exactly who this man was. And they, they, they cry out. And, and they, they are, demons are screaming all the time in the New Testament. Let us alone. What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come now to destroy us, the Holy One of God? Now, the first thing I want us to, 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 Jesus then rebukes them saying, be quiet. He tells the demons to stop talking. Come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed. So they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For the authority he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him? And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. So I have three things for us to think about in this passage. Number one is the spiritual battle is real. The spiritual battle is real. Um, There is a power that supercharges the temptations of our lives and it's beyond you. Now, I'm not saying that we're all demon-possessed. I think that we have developed terminology like demon-possessed, demon-possessed, and I'm not sure that it's, it's as clearly defined as that. I mean, I do know this, that um, Peter, when he finally, he declares, when Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Wow, that was a high point in the life of Peter. And then just a few verses later, Jesus said, well, I'm now going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to take me and they're going to kill me and put me to death. And Peter rebuked him. And Jesus says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. So the work of Satan, it was ever present. Here we have this star disciple who proclaims the deity of Christ. He's the first disciple to proclaim that. And then just a few verses later, he's now operating in his own thoughts. And then it turns out as Jesus rebukes Satan, those weren't just his own thoughts. 
the influence of Satan was there. Now, my, my point is this. Do you think that you and I can walk through life and not be affected by the power and the insidiousness of the kingdom of Satan and the demons that are there? That would be naive. Why would we even bring this up? I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not trying to promote demons at all. I'm, I'm here to promote that we have this Jesus who is a deliverer who deals with evil and demonic spirits with authority and power. And when they cry out and he tells them to be quiet, they are quiet. And when he tells them to come out of that man, they have no option but to obey because they knew he was God. How in the world do you think you and I can walk through life and deal with the high-level temptations that are infused with the power of Satan and the demons and make it? We can't. We need a deliverer. And Jesus came and he died on the cross and he disempowered Satan and all of the demons. And then he, he died and he rose again and he said, I'm, I'm gonna send you my Holy Spirit and my Holy Spirit will come into you. And if you ever notice an intense persecution or temptation and you feel like, I don't, I mean, I've, I'm, I've gone round and round and round about this particular sin, area of weakness or struggle in my life. I can't seem to get victory. Well, heads up. Maybe you need the power of God, the deliverance of Jesus, and the personal work of the Holy Spirit in your life at that point. Now, the Bible is, is, actually tells us the demons are real. They have the power to torment people. Um, the, the Bible describes how they came about. Lucifer was the highest created angelic being that stood at the throne of God himself until one day he became full of pride and rebellion and arrogance and decided he could be a better God than God was. Okay, wow. And the moment he rebelled against God, he and a third of the angels were cast out of heaven. I mean, bam, it was, they were gone. Some say that the number of demons, that these, were, these are fallen angels, were, it was about a third of the angelic host, which could actually number in the millions. And these fallen angels that are demon spirits, are working to thwart the plan and purpose of God, to steal his glory. Why do demons torment people? Because people are created in the image of God. And God loves us and he wants to give us an abundant life. And when they torment people, they they're trying to take away from the glory of God. And it's just uncanny. When you take a look at the globe and the activities that are going on and the thoughts and the theories and the cultural norms that are being established, th this is way beyond just 
an idea of a fallen human being having a bad day. These demons will live forever. They're unable to repent and they will oppose God until they are finally put away once and for all. And this demon stands trembling in the presence of Jesus because for him it's clear. So Jesus, have you come to destroy me today? They know that their ultimate end as recorded in Revelation 20 verses 10 to 15 will be that they, Satan, and all of the demons will be cast into the eternal lake of fire and they will be there forever and ever. Revelation 20 verses 10 to 15, just so you know the reference. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. They'll be separated from all of people in all, in, in, from the presence of God. It goes on because it includes what's going on with human beings in verse 11. And when I, I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them and I saw the dead small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged according, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire with Satan, demons, and all sorts of them. I mean, so, so what do we need? We need a deliverer. We need a savior. There, there is one way that we get written in the book of life. I mean, the books are open and our works are revealed. You know what those works include? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what it includes. But then another book of open, it was the book of life. You know what the book of life is? It's those who have asked Jesus to forgive them. It, it, it is those who have looked to Jesus to be their savior. It, it is those who heard the preaching of Jesus where he goes to the crowd and he says, repent. What does that mean? Turn to God. Stop fighting God. Stop ignoring God. Turn, repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and all who put their faith and trust in Jesus, their names are written in the Lamb's book of life because the blood of the lamb covers us and we get recorded in the book and we will never perish but we will have everlasting life that's the story i hear people say well i hate to go to church because you know all those hellfire and brimstone preachers listen here's what i want to say to you today I think I would not be doing a good job if I didn't read the scripture at, as it states. 
there is an eternity to be feared and there is a savior who is present to save. You know whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life? The thief on the cross who died next to Jesus. There is a, there is a film, I've read, I've read that this has been released. It's a, it's a, a, a film on um, a, a serial killer by the name of Dahmer. I forget his first name. Jeffrey, thank you. I know it's a movie about his life. I don't want to watch a movie about a serial killer. I can't stand it. Honestly, I just, I mean, I, I, I remember when that was all going on. It was horrifying. It was terrible. And on and on and on. And, and I don't want to plunge myself into that level of darkness. You can watch it if you like. I just don't want to. And what I love about the story of Jeffrey Dahmer is there was an old lady who prayed for this man to be saved. He actually was convicted and put in jail. But before he died, he was visited by people who presented the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you say, oh, that's not fair. Someone who killed that many people so insidiously should not ever be saved. Well, you know what the Bible says? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And according to According to the records that we read and the testimonies given, Jeffrey Dahmer in all of his evil. And I just want to say, I have no doubt but that there was demonic influence working in that man's life. But when he turned to Jesus in repentance and faith, like the thief on the cross, he was forgiven. What a great God. What a wonderful Savior. On and on throughout Scripture, we are told Ephesians 6 11, put on the whole armor of God every day. Come on, everybody, put on the whole armor. You ready? Tell, your, tell the person beside you, put on the whole armor. Come on, tell them, remind them. This is, there's a battle going on. Put on the whole armor. Verse 12 of he, Ephesians 6, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, uh, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And, and Jesus is our only deliverer who walks into a synagogue in Capernaum and Mark says the first thing you got to know about Jesus is he has power beyond all evil, Satan and the demons. And when he speaks, the demons tremble and they obey. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. I think about all of the terrible things that go on in our world today. And I see things, for, okay, this is just really heavy on my heart. 103,000 people in the United States died of drug overdoses in the 12-month period ending in January of 2022. And they're reporting that that number is higher than even then this year. 67% of those deaths involved Synthetic opioids like fentanyl. And then I see on the news that 
the manufacturers of fentanyl have made them look colorful and beautiful like candy and are packaging them for children because the younger they can get someone addicted, the longer of a run they will have in controlling their lives. And I get it that these people are making money, but this seems like an evil far beyond making money to me. The destruction of kids who unknowingly take a piece of candy and become addicted to a drug and begin to be on a path. Many of them will die from a drug overdose. Where does this come from? When a murderer walks onto the property of an elementary school and opens fire, killing many, where does that level of evil come from? Oh, there's a battle. It's real. When, when teachers stand up in pulpits all over this country and disagree with what the Bible says about any number of topics, they are not being led by the Spirit of God or Jesus. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. so beware. For Satan himself transforms Satan he transforms himself into an angel of light. He would rather go unnoticed because that's where he's most effective. Number two, Jesus has unchallenged authority to defeat evil. Can demon possession still happen? Absolutely. Sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's unnoticed. And once again, we talk about the term demon possession. It's an unclean spirit, the influence of demons. I, I think it happens all the time. You know, I, I, I know there was a day in the Philippines when I was finishing up a message. We were getting toward the end of the message and all of a sudden I saw Cindy come up the back stairs of the auditorium and she looked right at me and she pointed at me and she did what she never ever does, interrupt me during a sermon, never. never. And she mouthed it. And you know, when you're married, you, you, you can read. She says, she said, I need you now with authority and firmness. I'm like, oh my goodness, what in the world is happening? She's never done that before. I said a quick final statement, turned it over to the worship leader and said, you got it. Walked out, went downstairs, and as I'm walking downstairs, she says, Eddie, there's a woman in the office who was brought here from another church. A demon began to torment her and they didn't know what to do, so they brought her to us. I'm thinking, well, thank you very much. I went inside the office where this 100-pound precious woman was laying on the ground, screaming. Her hands curled up. The voice coming out of her was not her voice. There were six deacons surrounding her, holding her down to keep her from hurting herself and others. This is a hundred pound woman. 
I was there. Something was going on. There was demonic presence. Finally, after a while, she kind of fainted. And she woke up. And the real woman says, what's going on? And she says, I want to be free of this. This torments my kids, my family. We began a time of about six or seven days where she would come to the church and we would pray over her and pray with her and read scripture with her. And then the demons would, they would, they would, they would come. I'm not offering to do this, okay? This is not my thing. But there was a demon with a bully voice, a deep masculine bully voice. There is a religious demon who would pray any prayer of salvation you suggested, but it wasn't her. There were, there were at least three or four demons that would manifest, and you could always tell because after she would get done with that episode, she would kind of faint. And then she would open her eyes again. And we began to ask, I began to research, what do we do? How do we help her? And, and this, is, this is the verse that I discovered in some of the books I was reading. There's no point in talking to a demon. A power encounter is useless because demons will lie to you. Demons aren't going to make a choice to serve God or do the right thing. No, no, no. You, you got to wait till you get the real woman. And when she comes back, this is what you need. This is what we told her. Uh, James 4, 7 to 10. Therefore, submit to God. Number one thing, submit to God. God, I submit to you. Everything I know, I submit to you. I submit to you. Number two, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Did you hear that? He will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Maybe you need to check out what you're reading, what kind of media you're consuming. What, what kind of things are you letting your children watch? on TV. Have you ever noticed the level of demonic presence within the cartoon world? Oh my goodness, it's there. It's fun, it's light, it's colorful, it's nice, it's got cute little songs. Have you ever been, you know sometimes I think we're not as careful as we should be. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you This woman began to tell us, well, actually, I, I know there are some things in my life that might be the source. Number one is my grandmother, who was a witch doctor, picked out one of the granddaughters to give the amulet to and to give her gifts to, and it was me. Oh, really, do you still have the amulet? Yeah, I do. I've got it at home. Would you think of getting rid of that and renouncing that? She says, I would. And she did. Also, I'm the custodian of the neighborhood idols for the chapel. Would you consider getting rid of those? I will. And point by point, this woman did a cleansing of her house and her life. And then I saw her months later. And she said with a big smile, I'm free. Jesus has delivered me.
resist the devil. And we need to seek God's power of transformation. Um, Here is the reality. When you and I give in to areas of temptation, we open the door for the evil one to come in and set up a stronghold. And the more we give in to that temptation, the more ground he takes, the stronger the temptation gets. It becomes addictions. It becomes hidden places of darkness and conflict. What do you got to do? You got to submit to God. We need to say, God, here's an area in my life. I just feel like it's a stronger thing than just an ordinary temptation at this point, And I don't want it anymore. You have a deliverer who has all power and all authority and who will step in to deliver you. Some of the problem is we're not accepting the level of conflict that exists. John 10, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus says, but I have come that they may have life and they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. You know what I recommend? Memorize that verse. Pray over the areas of struggle and temptation and confusion and despair. I don't know what it is for you. Is it lust? We live in a very sexually focused world. Do you think that's an accident? No. It is part of the insidious, uh, coordinated efforts of the evil one to enslave people in that area. But you know what? What do we need to do? We need to, we need to come to God and say, God, I want abundant life. I don't want this bondage. We need to learn to walk in the spirit. Is it, is it the spirit of anger? You're just an angry person? and you, 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 People notice it. You, you don't want to admit it, but you know it's true. And Anger is a place. Ephesians says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath and don't give place to, to the devil. Is it a bitter or an unclean spirit? That, that's an unclean spirit. Oh, that person hurt me. I'm mad at them. I'm angry at them. I have the right to be angry at them. Boy, I tell you what, uh, what does Jesus have to say about that? He says, I mean, you've heard it say, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. I'm saying to you to love your enemy. Love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Don't take revenge on them. You know what? Submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. And things will change. Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, wow, that seems pretty amazing, right? Will we'll guard your hearts and minds through Christ. I get it. Anxiety, struggles like that, mental, emotional, and spiritual struggles all kind of merge together. And, and if, we, if, we just, if we accept a label and live in it, 
we'll be destroyed by it. If we go to scripture and say, God, you know, I'm, I have been anxious. It's not a sin to be anxious, by the way. Did you know that? One of my biggest fears in life is I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail you. I'm going to fail my family. Am I the only one here? I have to have this verse. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So here I go, God. I'm, here's what I'm worried about right now. Would you please let the peace of God rule my heart? Because this isn't a good thing to rule. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be vigilant, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's relentless. You know, the, the bad news is you're never going to get out of this battle till you get to heaven. The good news is you have a champion savior who will walk with you every single day day and whose power to rescue is bigger than any power known among men. So Jesus, Mark says, you got to know this. There's stuff going on you can't even understand. I'm going to ask you if you would to, to just stand and we're going to pray together.